Good morning, my friends. First, I'm really, really glad to be here this morning. It is a privilege. And uh, I really appreciate the, the invitation. I appreciate that Pastor Aaron uh, trusts Puritan Seminary to send uh, decent preachers. <laughs> uh, and well, he preached last week about expository preaching, and uh, he also mentioned fire from the pulpit. I, I will, I will do my best. <laughs> uh, I do believe in expository preaching as well. So let's get to the point. Uh, if you want to open your Bibles, or either in a book or on your phones. You, you, and if you want to follow the reading, I'm going to preach today on Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. That's the first time, maybe not the first time, but that's the first time you're going to, you were going to hear this text, listen to this, ma to this message with an accent. So, <laughs> so it's a win-win scenario here. So Luke 18 verses 17 through 27. But I, I'm going to focus on verse 17 first and then and then we're going to to see this wonderful passage where Jesus meets this rich young ruler. But Luke, Luke 18 Verse 17, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it at all. Well, then a ruler questioned him saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you, you still lack. Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And Jesus looked at him. Oh, and he loved him when he said that. He looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, he answered, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. So let's pray that God will bless his word, and that God's spirit will take God's word and bless God's people with it. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, 
we thank you for your covenant mercies and your love that are even displayed in this passage and in our lives. Oh, Lord, the young ruler didn't know that, but we do. We need you. We need you, Lord, and we trust you. And we pray now that through your word and the work of the Holy Spirit, you would bless us and strengthen our faith. Give us this faith like a child. And we pray in your name. Amen. So the main topic in this passage is salvation. So there is a lot about the doctrine of salvation in this passage. We're not going to see that doctrine deeply. But, uh, but it is the main topic. How do I know that? Because we find expressions like, uh, to enter the kingdom of God, this is to be saved. So it, and, and we see that expression at least four times. Verses 17, 24, 25, and 29. We also see the expression, to have a treasure in heaven. This is also related to salvation. It's a benefit of salvation. And we also see uh, the expression, to inherit the eternal life. The, the young ruler wanted to know what he... <laughs> What he needed to do to inherit eternal life. In other words, to be saved. But this passage also has a lot to do with this childlike faith that Jesus mentioned on verse 17. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it at all. Do you have childlike faith? Well, all believers have childlike faith. But sometimes we do not experience that faith. Well, Jesus talks about coming to him like a child. I'm going to read it again. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it at all. So there are two things that I want to uh, refer to in this verse. The first one is the kingdom of God. What is it? What is Jesus talking about here? What is the kingdom of God? What, what does Jesus mean when, when, when he talks about the kingdom of God in this passage? And, and, and how can we receive it? Well, the answer is we can, we can receive it if we have childlike faith. We already, already said that. But... What is this kingdom? I don't believe that when Jesus talks about kingdom, he's thinking uh, about castles and, and you know, uh, princesses. And, and he's not talking about that kind of uh, kingdom, like Disneyland or something. So he's talking about uh, his kingship. He's, he's talking about kingdom here in a broad sense that refers to God's dominion over all things. And we know that all these authority of God has been given to our Lord Jesus in heaven and on earth. And we know that Jesus was exalted to the right hand of the Father as our Lord and Savior. From where he reigns, 
The Lord has dominion over everything. He is the Savior and He reigns. And to enter His kingdom here means to submit to His kingship. And do it in a personal, loving, and saving relationship with Him. So in other words, to enter the kingdom of God is to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior in this saving relationship. So I'm not, I, 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 I'm not a slave of sin or Satan. Colossians 1.13 says, For He rescued us from the domain of darkness, from the dominion of Satan and sin. And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Transferred us to his kingship. Now we are under his domain. So to receive the kingdom means to be saved. To receive salvation with all its blessings. With all its benefits. And at least two benefits of salvation are mentioned in the context of this passage. I didn't read uh, the verses before this passage. That mentioned the Pharisee and the publican, but, uh, but I might do it later. All the benefits of salvation, and at least two are mentioned in this passage. Verse 14 uh, talks about uh, justification. We know that when Jesus tells this parable, and then the, the Pharisee and the tax collector, they went to the temple to pray, and one man went home justified. The tax collector, we know that. So justification, that's a benefit of salvation. And in verse 18, the young ruler talks about inheriting eternal life. That's another benefit of salvation. Justification, eternal life, adoption. These are the blessings that come with salvation. So we have all these blessings, all these benefits when we come to Jesus with a childlike faith. And the only way to have this saving relationship with Jesus is to come to him like a child. Okay, this is verse 17. Jesus speaks of childlikeness. But okay, but listen. He doesn't explain it at all. So I know that I have to come to Jesus like a child. What, what does that mean? How do I do that? What is he talking about? What does Jesus have in mind when he, when he says that I have to come to him like a child? What, what childlike traits or characteristics is he talking about? Well, and here's the thing. We cannot read Jesus' mind. So we, we don't know it from verse 17. Okay, so if I don't know it, and if I can't read Jesus' mind, and there where expository preaching is very helpful, when we don't know it, in order to understand what coming to Jesus like a child means, so we need to, maybe I need to use my very creative imagination here and come up with, uh, let's say, a list of childlike characteristics? No. <laughs> because if I do that, that's going to be my imagination preaching to you, and that's a bad thing. You don't want, <laughs> you don't want to go there. But I've seen preachers do that. 
some very creative uh, men of God, but still very creative preachers and commentators. They come up with a list of childlike characteristics and say, well, this is, this is what a child looks like, and then we have to be like this. And, and I've heard someone say that we have to come to Jesus with the innocence of a child. <laughs> well, those of you who have children, <laughs> you know that your children are far, far from being innocent, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they are sinners. And as much as you and I are sinners. Well, I have two wonderful kids. They are not innocent. <laughs> Well, but sometimes some, some, some good, good preachers, they can be creative and come up with good characteristics. Like maybe you have to be humble like a child. Probably. Yes. But it's not in the text. Well, but some, some children typically do have some wonderful qualities that show us, that might give us an idea of what, what it means to, to, to come to Jesus like a child and to know God. Uh in a humble way, to approach him in a humble way. So some kids, they have this, or I think that most kids have this uh, wide-eyed wonder. No, I remember the first time I took my oldest son to the airport, and he saw those airplanes, and he was like, <gasps> you know? And uh, so I think that God wants us to, to, to come before him with this wide-eyed uh, wide, uh Wide-eyed out wonder, doesn't he? Like, wow. We just sang, come let us adore him. How do we do that? Like, oh, we, we, <laughs> we stand in awe of him. Immovable. He's wonderful. So God wants us to, to wonder at his grace and worship his majesty with awe. So maybe Jesus could be thinking about that, but, but I just cannot go there because there is nothing in the text that would suggest that. Now, it would be wrong if I would say that, well, Jesus is talking about this uh, uh, wide-eyed wonder that children have, most children have. In expository preaching, that's not how it works, I, I, I should... And I must only affirm what is in the text. And I believe that the context can help us here. So we cannot read Jesus' mind, but the Holy Spirit who, who inspired these words. Uh, well, he might be indicating at least two characteristics of a childlike faith. How do I know that? Well, because this verse 17 is, is, is in between the passage of the young ruler, and the young ruler shows us how we must not come to Jesus. He lacked at least a couple of things. And he did not go to Jesus with a childlike faith. So what did he lack? And also the Pharisee that was preaching at the temple. And I believe that there are at least two childlike characteristics in the context. 
The first one is, 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 is trust, or we can say faith, but trust and dependence on God. Trust and dependence on God. Yes, because when we come to Jesus, and that is not only when we were saved, but every day, we come to Jesus saying, Jesus, I trust you, and I need you. Today is a new day, Jesus, I trust you, I need you. That was the tax collector preaching at a temple. He didn't say these words, I trust you and I need you. He just said, be merciful. Be merciful to me, the sinner. He trusted in Jesus. He trusted in God and he needed God. So can we say that this trust, this faith, and this dependence on God, can we say that they are childlike traits? I, I think we can. Of trust. Well, Daniel, my oldest son, he trusts me. But I remember when he used to believe in everything I would, uh, I would tell him. Everything. Yes, you would. <laughs> you don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe two or three years ago, I could still make him believe that I was, let's say, secret, secretly a superhero, you know, with superpowers. I got all my friends from the Justice League, and he would believe it. <laughs> oh, he wouldn't believe it today. <laughs> maybe I'll try with Benjamin. Well, listen, even today, Daniel still will wake up in the middle of the night because... He had a nightmare, and he will run to his mommy and daddy because he believes he's safe with us. He trusts us. And this is the kind of trust, the kind of faith that we must have in Jesus. And also the second characteristic, dependence. We have to be completely dependent on Jesus. No self-sufficiency at all. We are sinners, like the tax collector. We need him. We need Jesus. Is this a childlike trait? Yes, it is. We, we have to do everything for our babies. We have to feed them. We have to change their diapers. We have to give them medicine. We have to do everything for them. And then they... They all grow up. <laughs> they all grow up to be independent. That's a good thing. If I try to feed Daniel today, that proud little boy will say, please, Daddy, <laughs> I can do it myself. I can do it myself. It's good to see our, our, our kids growing up to be independent and self-sufficient. It's good. It's good. And we love to see them growing up to be independent. But when it comes to our relationship with God, it's, it's, it's quite the very opposite. God loves to see us growing up to be more and more dependent on Him. As we grow up, He wants to see more and more of this childlike faith. That's how we must come to Jesus, with faith and dependence, with nothing to offer except our need for mercy. 
So I said that these two characteristics, uh, trust or faith and dependence of God, they were in the context. Well, let me show you how they are uh, displayed in this passage of uh, this wonderful passage where Jesus meets this young ruler. So first, let me talk about the young ruler's lack of dependence on God. So this ruler, this young man questioned him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So the man calls him good teacher. And I think, he, I think he's being sincere here. It's, I don't think this is flattery. You know, sometimes we assume that every wicked person that comes to Jesus in the Bible, they come with that intention to put him to task, to set up a trap for him. And many people, Pharisees, scribes, chief priests, they would often do that. Like in Luke 20, 21, when they question him saying, teacher, can you see the flattery here? Teacher, I'm, I'm trying to make him look like flattery. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach correctly. Oh, they want to kill him, okay? But we know that you speak and teach correctly. And you are not partial to any. No. But you teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful? No, 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 just, just. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Ah, come on. See? We're kind of used to see those kind of passages here. But when it comes to the young ruler, I don't think that that was in his heart. I think he was being sincere. When Jesus asks the ruler to give everything to the poor and follow him, the young man becomes very sad because he was extremely rich, okay? But that doesn't look like someone that comes with flattery because he wants, you know, he has, a, he has an agenda. He wants to, 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 to set up a trap for Jesus. It sounds, though, like someone that doesn't understand the real meaning of goodness. And he thought that perhaps he could be good enough. He could be good enough to, 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 to be saved. And he just wanted to know what he had to do. Well, and Jesus said, we know the commandments, right? Do not commit adultery, do not murder, and so on. And, and, and then he said, well, all these things I have kept from my youth. So by his own standards, this young ruler believed that Jesus was good. And by his own standards, he believed that he was good to, or perhaps he could be good, or good enough. And he even thought that he was obedient to the law. Oh, I, I follow the commandments. So he was being sincere. Good teacher. I really believe that you are good. Well, I want to be good too. What do I have to do? I follow the commandments. What else? So when Jesus was called good, good teacher, he answers, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And what, what is Jesus doing here? No one is good except God alone. What is he doing here? Some people will say that, well, Jesus is trying to say that he is God. You know, you're calling me good. Only God is good. Therefore, here I am. I don't think, but I don't think that he's doing that. I believe that he, Jesus is fixing, correcting the young, man, the young man's theology. This man has, in his mind, a doctrine of salvation. He believes that he can be good enough 
He believes that a man can be good enough to be saved. And Jesus says, why do you call me a man good? Do you think that I can be good because I'm a man? Young ruler doesn't know that Jesus is the God-man. He only believes he's a man. Well, maybe you believe that I can be good. Let me tell you one thing. Only God is good. Right? Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Only God is good. The young ruler should know that. <laughs> so, young man, yeah, you, you follow the young, you follow the, 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 the Ten Commandments, okay? But if you honestly believe that you or any man can be good enough or good at all, you didn't even understand the Ten Commandments. So Jesus was fixing, correcting his doctrine of salvation. No, you cannot be good enough. What about us? Would you look to what you've done this week? And, and maybe tonight before you go to sleep, you would pray to God and say, Well, Lord, thank you. Uh, I think that I've done well today and, and this week. I've been a good servant. I think I've been a good Christian. I even talked about you to, to, to my neighbors, and I helped people. Yes, I, I had my share of good deeds this week. Well, thank you. And then you, and, and then you fall asleep with that sense that you, that you were a righteous person. Yeah, I have, ah, I feel so good about myself. Or you're going to pray like this, Jesus, I need you. <laughs> Please be merciful to me, the sinner. Do you sometimes think that you've earned God's favor? Do you think sometimes that you've earned, that, that, that you have, that you somehow deserve His favor, His grace, His mercy, His blessings, because of how good you've, you've done? Oh, you've done so well. You've been so faithful, so obedient. And of course we don't affirm those things. We don't say, we don't go, oh, no. We don't go to Jesus and pray that way. We don't do that. Well, if you do it, we can, we can talk after, you know, after service, but, but we don't do that. But sometimes we feel like it. Yes, sometimes, sometimes we feel like, well, I, oh, God must be so pleased with me. Not with that person over there. Look at that. Just like the Pharisee. Oh, that Pharisee. You know why Jesus told this parable in the first place? Well, verse 9 in this same chapter. He told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Well, well I have a parable for that. <laughs> and then I'm not going to read the parable, but, it, but in verses 11 and 12, we see the Pharisee presenting to God an impressive report, a list of good deeds. It's an impressive report. Well, Lord, I am not like other people. 
I'm not like the unjust, I'm not like the adulterers, or even like this tax collector, this traitor of the Jews here. And I give my offerings and I fast a lot more than your law requires. But we know that despite this impressive report, well, we know that this report was not impressive to God. It didn't impress God at all. It might be impressive to, to some people, but not to God. And we know that the tax collector went home justified. And what was the tax collector's report? What did he present to God? Nothing. Be merciful to me, I need you. I'm a sinner. Yes, and God, 1 Peter 5, 6, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives great grace to the humble. So every time you believe you can actually do something for him, you are building a wall between you and God's grace and God's mercy. The tax collector put nothing between him and God except his own sinful and helpless condition, and he went home justified. The young ruler didn't have this. He was a self-righteous person. He thought that he, was, that he was doing good. Maybe he didn't know all things. Well, what else do I have to do? But the young rulers also lacked this faith in God, this trust. And where is that in the text? Well, when Jesus heard that the tax collector also had an impressive report to present to God, he said to him, one, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor, and you shall be saved. And then come and follow me. But when he had heard these things, he became very sad because he was extremely rich. Well, Jesus tells him to do something, and then, and then he says, follow me. Put your faith on, on me. Put everything away and come to me. Follow me. When, and when Jesus tells him to sell his, his stuff and, and give everything to the poor, he's not, he's, not, he's not preaching salvation by works here, right? That would be a contradiction. <laughs> so it's not okay. If you do something else, if you do that, mm, yes, then you're going to be good enough. No, he's not saying that. It is a test. It is a test. And, and, and what a test. What a test. I'll prove to you that you lack what is really necessary, that you don't trust me at all. And for sure you don't trust me more than you trust your riches. Give up your possessions and follow me. Do you trust me? What a test. Oh, okay, now, this, let me tell you one thing. Let me confess you something here. Uh, this is a commandment given specifically to the ruler, right? And, 
and not to anyone else. So when you read this passage, it doesn't mean that you have to sell all your possessions and give everything to the poor. This command does not apply to us. Yes, but first, first time I heard that, I heard someone say, oh, this command does not apply to us, and then, and, and then, and then I did this. <sighs> okay, I just failed the test. <laughs> oh, we do fail that test many times. Right? Our faith is, is, is not a perfect childlike faith, but it is still saving faith with all its imperfections, and God is sanctifying us daily. Okay, but this task is not only about money. In your case, it could be something else that you won't let go. Jesus, I'll do anything you ask. I will trust you. I will put my faith in you. I trust you, Jesus, as long as you don't ask me to, and then you complete the sentence. That, that's your test. Would you fail this task? Do you have, do you have a childlike faith in Jesus? Oh. That's what the young ruler lacked, this, this trust in Jesus. He didn't trust Jesus could take care of him. He didn't trust Jesus at all. He trusted, he trusted his riches. Tonight, when you go to bed, again, <laughs> you're going to sleep. And you're going to say, Jesus, I trust you. I know. I know I'm going to be okay because I'm with you. Or, or are you going to secretly say something? Well, yes, I, I feel that I'm okay because I just checked my, my statement at the bank. And it's quite good enough. So... No worries. The young ruler did not trust Jesus. The young ruler did not want to depend on Jesus. He wanted to depend on himself and his, his ability to be good. <laughs> and, and, and also trust that his money would, would get him everything he needed and that he was okay. Well, that's not a childlike faith, and we have to do the very opposite of what the young ruler did. We have to come to him and say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I need you. Yes, faith and dependence on God. And as I'm concluding this, this sermon, let me read the, the end of the passage. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. A camel through the eye of a needle. What's that? Can a camel go through the eye of a needle? I know that some people come up with, with some theories that they say, well, there is a gate that, you know, at Jerusalem, and that would be called, maybe, maybe that, that, that's a reference to that gate, so a camel to pass through that gate 
would have to be unloaded. That is an explanation, but I think that that theory totally destroys what this text means. <laughs> because then it is possible. And what Jesus is, is, is saying here is that, you know, it's easier for a, a rich man, it, 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 it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to be saved. And what he is saying here is that it is impossible. Hey, Jesus, it's impossible to, 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 it's impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Yes, it is impossible. And it's even harder for a rich man to be saved. But, but now listen, does that mean that the poor can be saved? That's not what he was saying. In the context that Jesus was teaching, in the cultural context, a rich man would be someone blessed by God. To be rich is not a bad thing. Especially in this, in this uh, uh, context. Wealth was seen as a sign of God's blessing. So that a person would even have the means to do some uh, works of generosity. To help others. So to have possessions is not a bad thing. To be greedy is a bad thing. To hate generosity is a bad thing. But to be rich is not a bad thing. A rich man would have the means to help others. So, what Jesus is saying is that if someone that was so blessed by God cannot enter the kingdom, what about the others? And that's how his followers understood because they will ask, when they heard it, they said, okay, Jesus, if it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle that, that we know to be impossible, then for a rich man, a blessed man, to enter the kingdom, then who can be saved? <laughs> who can be saved? And that's the point. No one can be saved at all. Nobody can have this childlike faith and dependence of God. It is humanly impossible. If you try to have it, it's going to be like the young ruler. Tell me what I need to do. <laughs> but these things, the, the things that are impossible with people, Jesus answered, they are possible with God. So you can trust the Lord that He will strengthen your faith. And that you will grow up to be more and more like a child in His presence. If you try to work hard, it's not going to work at all. Keep doing like the tax collector. Come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I need you. And let's pray. Dear Father, we, we praise you. We thank you. We came here this morning to adore you. We also came because we need you. And we also came because we trust you. We know that there is no better place to go. <laughs> we come to your presence.
And now we pray that you would use your word. And that word would file a, a good soil in our hearts. That not only our minds, but also our hearts would be blessed by it. Oh, Lord, strengthen our faith. Yes, make us like a child in your presence. We want to be. We want to be like a child. We want to stand before you like that tax collector in that story that you told. We need you, and we trust you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.